Welcome to Adventology, the podcast dedicated to helping you be ready for Jesus. Here now is the host of Adventology, Travis Walker. Hello and welcome to another episode of Adventology. I hope you are doing well. Everything we do on this podcast is designed to help you be ready for Jesus. I know I am excited to really get right into this episode because it kind of piggybacks on last week's episode with Jennifer Jill as she really challenged us to to look at our mental health. Uh, Today's guest, Lionel LaMountain, is also going to do the same thing. He's really going to be focusing on a couple aspects of the Creation Health acronym. And those of you who are familiar with Creation Health know that it's connected to Advent Health as one of their health outreaches. I have been connected to it for several years now, and that's how I first got familiar with Lionel as one of the coaches and trainers for for Creation Health. It's now um, being rebranded as Creation Life, but the principles remain the same. Creation is an acronym for CHOICE. Um, for rest, for environment, activity, trust in God, interpersonal relationships, outlook, and nutrition. And uh, what we do in this episode is really focus on outlook um, and how important that is to living a new lifestyle, to living the life that God has created for us, and why It is so challenging sometimes to have a positive outlook, especially those of us who tend toward pessimism and tend to have a negative self-image. There is a lot of hope here. So I want to encourage you to tune in. If you don't know who Lionel is, he is the Director of Health Ministries for the Southern Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. He also was a major part of the creation of Creation Health and help develop the training materials that go along with that. And uh, he was a pastor and uh, just genuinely interested in seeing the church and the world become a healthier place. So you're going to hear a lot of passion from him. Um, His desire is to see people take charge of their lives. And I think you'll be inspired. I know I was. And I think this is the kind of episode that we need to kind of jumpstart our our outlook toward the future. If we have been discouraged and if the truths of the second coming of Jesus have begun to, to grow dull in our experience, um, I believe today's episode will wake us up. It woke me up. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Lionel, well, it is so great to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? Travis, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the invitation to be with you and your your listeners. And uh, I'm doing great. It's a sunny day in Florida, another sunny day and healthy. And everyone's, everyone in the family is healthy and safe. So no complaints. And uh, life is good, really is. So thanks for having me, Travis. Definitely. I was a, very appreciative of having you as a guest speaker in my church a couple weeks ago, and, and you brought your, your lovely wife and your son, 
And uh, it, it was uh, it was great to have you uh, over here in Daytona. Oh, we loved, uh, you know, it's always, a, it's always a joy to go to Daytona. And we really enjoy being with the folks at your church. I've attended from time to time throughout the years. So appreciate your hospitality. And everyone was so friendly and, and responsive, which was really fun for us. You know, so it's nice when you go and you're you're serving a location and the people really are engaged and they are smiling and happy and cheerful. And so it was a great day for us. Thank you for that. Definitely. Yeah, I got a lot of positive feedback and it's such an important uh, topic. Uh, what we're going to be getting into today is just the concept of, of lifestyle change and and how um, it connects to our spirituality, some of the positives and negatives that can be associated with doing lifestyle change uh, the wrong way versus the right way. And uh, we've all experienced um, the, you know, the both sides of that probably to some degree through our lifetime. And uh, so definitely I'm interested in just kind of hearing about, uh, I'm sure our listeners want to know what you're, what you're up to right now. What are you, what are you looking forward to in 2021? What, what are you currently doing? Yeah. um, Well, I'm still involved with health, that's my main, those are my main responsibilities from day to day. Um, you know, uh, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about there. But in 2021, the big project with 2021 turns out is a major health project with um, Faith for Today, actually. Faith for Today has a TV show called Lifestyle Magazine. And I'm a co-host on that TV show. We average about 4 million viewers weekly. And it's a, it's a show on whole person health as well. And uh, just finished a project called Emotional Health, uh, Unlock Your Best Life. They uh, gave me the privilege of inviting me to write the curriculum. And I just got back from Los Angeles where we filmed all six sessions. And uh, that's in post-production right now. Design's almost done. And they'll be releasing that. My understanding is later this fall, because as you know, my my buddy uh, Roy Ice is is getting ready to start Indestructible tomorrow night. And we think this might be a good follow-up to that. It's Emotional Health Curriculum. So... I mean, there's a lot going on, but that's the big project for me this year, as well as, you know, ongoing work with Advent Health. Um, they uh, just finished having me write eight eight scripts on whole person health that that they're uh, going over right now, and we'll be filming, we'll be taping soon here in the coming weeks, and uh, it's just an exciting year, Travis, to have the chance to really inspire people and bring them a sense of encouragement and hopefulness through the through the vehicle of of whole person health. You know, and um, then on top of it all, there <laughs> there are day job responsibilities that I really, really love working with some of the greatest leaders, you know, in North America when it comes to bringing health education classes to their communities with the simple agenda of relieving human suffering and improving quality of life. That's always a joy to be a part of that with these great leaders and uh, and helping with some other things throughout the community. So, you know, the agenda is always full. Days are always full. You know how that goes. Everybody listening knows how that goes. And I'm just really, really, really fortunate that I get to kind of focus my life around around health and wellness, which is, uh, it's a passion for me. You know, exercise, nutrition, not a passion for me, but full person health, you know, it's a, it's a passion for me. And I, I really, you know, enjoy what I get to do this year. So and this is a part of that. Wow. Yeah, that, that sounds... That sounds exciting. It sounds like uh, you're you're not just uh, um, re- recording and, and taping and teaching, but you're actually breaking new ground. You're you're creating new curriculums and uh, you're moving the mission forward as well. So that that's super exciting. And you're also 
connected to what we call the Southern Union of Seventh-day mm-hmm. Adventists, right? So that's the southeastern region of, of the country. And you kind of oversee health ministries in that realm as well. Yes, I, uh, I was at Advent Health um, Orlando for a number of years. And, uh, and then in 2014, I, uh, I started a you know, full-time health ministries position with Southern Union Conference. And uh, the conference, we have some, we just have some really dedicated members and leaders. And I think our membership now throughout these nine or 10 states in the Southeast is somewhere around 305,000, 306,000 members. I'm not sure, Travis, but I did hear last week, um, for many of your listeners, most of your audience will know this, uh, some won't, but we're highly organized. And um, many of them know that we're part of the North American division. And I just heard last week that the Southern Union comprises just about one third of the total membership of North America, uh, which is Canada and the United States and all that stuff. Boring statistics for someone who doesn't know. So, you know, it's a real honor to be a part of the work that's going on here that you're a part of in the Southeast. And and um, I just have the, the leaders that I work with. They just they inspire me. They're so mission driven. They have such a deep love for people and uh, driven by disinterested benevolence. It's just a joy from week to week. You know, I, I give leadership to health ministries, but they're the ones that are really breaking new territory and ground. I mean, I'm thinking of their names as we're talking here, seeing their faces in my mind. And then the other thing I've been asked to give leadership to is uh, community services um, and disaster response, because our territory has so many natural disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, all that sort of thing. But the, but again, I mean, we have such great leaders that sometimes I feel like they don't even really need me. But I do, you know, I'm there to help with whatever might need help with. And all we're trying to do is increase the quality of life uh, for people in our communities across these 10 states in the Southeast. And it's just really fun, you know, just really fun. Yeah. And, and so I know from just talking to you before that you um, have been connected to the church pretty much your whole life, right? You grew up as a, as a pastor's kid and yeah, just share a little bit about your journey into ministry and specifically when did you develop this passion for whole person health and, and specifically the emotional side, but, but overall, just like, how did, how did that develop in your own life? Yeah. Well, my dad uh, is a retired uh, pastor and I grew up living all over the place. It seemed like he was, he had a new church uh, every three years, you know, uh, and the, and the beginning was kind of tough, Travis, because he was as he was just entering into the ministry, um, he had opportunities that would come. And I was in like six different schools in my first eight grades. Uh, you know, his dad was was getting his, I guess, pastor. I hate to use the word career and pastoral ministry in the same sentence, but as he was getting started, right? And um, so I, I kind of felt at an early age a calling, you know, to dedicate my life to helping people. And, um, and the only way I knew how to do it at the time let's just follow my family's footsteps. Cause my dad's a pastor and cousins, pastor, my, my uncle, um, you know, was a pastor, administrator, evangelist, you know, so I kind of followed in their footsteps and, and went to college and seminary and was a pastor, was a local church pastor from 1992 through 2004, actually. And, um, and then I kind of, you know, started to see, I had some gifts and talents or at least some interest I wanted to pursue that I felt I needed to kind of go in a different direction than pastoral ministry. I mean, I loved my last congregation, which was up there in Jacksonville, Florida. I mean, 
I enjoyed all my congregations, but they were really special to me in Jacksonville and in Jacksonville Mandarin. And, um, but I just decided I had to do something on my own. I, I, I actually wanted to figure out more about God on my own. Mm. And uh, I, it might it might make some people uncomfortable. I don't know. But all my life, Travis, I was told what to think about God, what to believe about God, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I just wanted some time to figure out for myself, you know, what I wanted to experience him like with a with a blank page. And so I started that that journey back in 2004. And concurrently with that, I started I've always had a passion for writing. I always wanted to be a writer. That was my true love as a kid and communication and I took journalism in college and minored in communication. And I thought, you know what? This is the time of my life back then that if I'm going to try something new, do it now before I have kids. And, and so in 2004, I branched out and I started doing some freelance writing and started doing some ghostwriting for media personalities. And, and that led to uh, Advent Health kind of stumbling across me. And I guess they kind of liked some of the things that they had seen and became aware of that I'd ghostwritten for folks. And they invited me. They said, hey, you know, we have this thing called Creation Health. Creation is uh, an acronym, by the way, Travis. It's not about creationism. Uh, creation health is about creating your best health. And uh, they've since changed the name. They're rebranding it. But they said, but this thing called creation health, it stands for eight principles of whole person health. Creation, you know, stands for choice, rest, environment, activity, uh, trust in God, interpersonal relationships, outlook, and nutrition. And they said, we want to create a seminar. I want to develop a seminar for churches, hospitals, and schools that can that they can use in their communities just to teach and help people have a better quality of life. And they said, would you be interested in writing um, the eight scripts for these, for the DVDs we're going to produce? And um, I, I was really honored that they asked. And of course, when you're a struggling artist just starting a new career freelancing, the answer is always, <laughs> always yes, no matter what's going on. I needed the work, and, um, and they kept me busy. Very, very busy writing scripts, writing, you know, collateral material on that topic. Uh, creation health for them have been a philosophy that had been around since the early 90s that they kind of figured out with Disney, by the way, because Disney wanted to build a, you, you, everyone's probably, well, most of us here in Florida have heard about Celebration Florida, probably. Correct. And, and Disney wanted, wanted to make it like their, the ideal community in the United States for other communities to copy. And they want to have a world-class hospital there. And there's a long story to all of that, but a long story short is they invited Advent Health to be their hospital at Celebration. And as a, like a cornerstone to that partnership, um, Creation Health was put into operation. And, you know, our company led all of Disney's employees through Creation Health and all of that other stuff. But so when the opportunity came to be a part of the team and it takes a team to do something like this it's just not me but a team good researchers good writers good designers good everything uh i said yes and so between 2000 and 2004 2005 i started writing and focusing on health pretty much exclusively uh because of advent health and i just developed a real passion for full person health i'd always been interested in health always since i was young uh i always loved working out one of my favorite coaches is a ninth degree bondo uh black belt uh teacher in chattanooga you know he's in his 80s looks like he's in his 60s uh, the guy's phenomenal i've always loved it and so Advent helped give me an opportunity to include it professionally into my life and they invited me on in 2008 to join their team full-time and so I, I was on the creation health team i was in their mission development department and my title changed you know from you know, sales and marketing creation health to being in charge of creation health for um, our particular faith community that you and I serve, 
And uh, it kind of evolved through the years where I kind of became, because of all the hours I'd put into it, and I've written well over a thousand pages on it, they, uh, I end up being kind of like, a, I'm not saying this to brag or anything, Travis, I'm just saying they, I kind of became the person that was go-to person to teach leaders how to teach creation health. Because uh, I pretty much had figured out all the mistakes not to make, not to make, and so that was pretty good information to share. Here's what you don't do when you're teaching creation health, and I was able to share stuff like that. And so I did that for a number of years. And my last year at the hospital here in Orlando, I was in hotels a hundred nights around the earth, you know, um, just training leaders how to do creation health and how to do it effectively from what I had learned in the field. And uh, but I could I could tell that. You know, my son was around six at the time, and I could tell, you know, I was going to start missing some pretty important stuff with him, and I didn't, I didn't want to. And so um, I really enjoyed my team at the hospital, didn't want to leave the hospital, uh, but I, you know, had some friends up at, in Atlanta at the Southern Union, and I said, hey, you know, are you guys looking for a health guy? And they were. And uh, so, Travis, you know, I was honored to be invited, and I accepted the position with some reluctance. I didn't want to say goodbye to my team at the hospital, and but, you know, my travel was cut in half from hundred days a year down to 50. And oftentimes I can fly out in the morning and be home that same night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So my pathway to health has gone through freelance writing that I did for Advent Health, which is just such a great solid company that loves people. I mean, no company's perfect, right? But I mean, the heart and soul of that health system is extending the healing ministry of Christ. And they do their best, you know, to have a, to have an uplifting, influence in the community and to lead in the community in such a way that improves community life for everyone. And uh, I just, I just love that company. I love also Southern Union and my team there. And I just feel fortunate that I've been able to continue work, to continue working in health. And as a result of hospital work and the union work, uh, Faith for Today television, um, when they redid the format of their weekly television show, uh, called me up and asked me if I'd be the lifestyle expert um, on their on their new formatted show, newly formatted show, and uh, wanted Creation Health to be a part of that. And since then, it's expanded and broadened. But uh, I was able to, you know, share the wonderful work of, of Advent Health uh, with the Lifestyle Magazine viewers as well. So, you know, it, it's kind of carved out a niche for me. Advent Health still contracts with me. You know, I've been, you know, the last couple of years, I've been in Latvia, Istanbul, you know, Ireland twice. I, they just, they are so driven to make a difference not only here in the united states but around the world you know that um it's really been an honor to continue working in health not cooking classes and stuff like that people traditionally think of when they think of health but whole person health which is the most important thing and so i'm doing it now and and so i i guess travis it seems like my what i'm becoming known for what i have become known for is outlook and emotional health because that's where I've zeroed in on creation health as being the most important things. But we can talk about that later when you get around to it. But that's kind of a very long answer about my journey from a kid growing up uh, with a dad who's a pastor to finding my own way through leading a church, then writing and ending up at the, at the health system level and now at the uh, union level, um, giving leadership to some of the greatest leaders I've ever seen who serve 300,000 people in the Southeast. Uh, yeah, so that's, it's, it's, that's awesome. Privilege. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, uh, I wanted you to finish sharing that story, but I, I want to jump in cause that's where Lionel, when I met you, you were, you were training. I, I had just, uh, moved to this district here. This mm-hmm. was, uh, I don't know, 2016, 2017. I'm not 
can't remember our, which year, but it was the spring and, and you were uh, doing a training and, and I had uh, just gotten connected to Advent Health, uh, serving in one of the, the community where one of their hospitals are. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had been introduced to Creation Health prior to moving to Florida, but uh, definitely just fell in love with the principles behind it, especially in your class. And I can remember as you were uh, particularly on the on the Outlook portion of it, you, you get pretty um, personal, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yes. Now, I don't know if that's just for the benefit of the teachers that are teaching it as kind of an example of how the more open you are with some of your own struggles, how that can draw uh, the participants who are taking the class into it. Um, but I can remember being drawn in. And I thought you were very um, transparent, more so than than I uh, normally expect when I when I attend a class. And uh, so, is that something? How did you get to the point where you were able to to be that transparent? And are you still? Uh, you know, maybe maybe you can get into that a little bit because that is something that I'm interested in hearing more about. You know, when it comes to lifestyle change, um, you know, outlook becomes, uh, you know, one of the most important elements to that. Well, first of all, thanks for being a part of that training, Travis. Enjoyed having you in the room. Every group we have is so fun, engaging, and and people take it seriously. I mean, you attended because you wanted to, right? right? So that makes a big difference. And you have a heart for your community, I can tell, just having a chance to spend time with you and your wife. And, and um, you know, when it comes to that sort of, so I, well, here's the deal. I'm a pretty private person. You know, I'm a, people don't know it, but I'm a, pretty much a painful introvert. But because of what you and I do, you can't be an introvert. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, when it comes to, when it comes to, uh, training and coaching leaders who are going to go out and start working with people, I feel like you have to be transparent. And when it comes to, so I decided early on when I started doing this, one of the biggest, well, how should I say this? Um, some people, I guess, when they look at health, they look at as they look at it as information to be imparted, you know? And the last thing that we wanted, the last thing I wanted, was for Creation Health just to be another informational seminar. And as I worked with the principles, I realized that Outlook was, was, was key. And so I realized that what I had to do with Outlook was I had to share my story because I, I understood Outlook in a way that I feel that few people have understood. We all have our stories. And as I've shared Outlook, you'd be surprised around the world, regardless of race, culture, religion, socioeconomic status, how many people struggle with some of the very things I shared in that class. You know, and I figured that if our health leaders, if our leaders overall who are working with people can understand how and why people think the way they do, they would have some grace and patience and be able to be an encouraging presence in their life instead of just opening their brains and dumping in more information. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm talking around the issue because I, I don't want to get in. So a lot of the details about my story because mm-hmm. um, we don't have time and, you know, I don't, I don't, but the thing is, so when it comes to outlook, in my opinion, I'm him hawing around here, Travis, because I'm thinking about what I want to say, <laughs> what I want to share and what I don't want to say and what I don't want to share, you know, outlook to me is the most important of the eight principles. We had this very 
engaging, fun, vigorous debate at the hospital, ongoing all through the years. Which is most important, choice or is it outlook? Is it choice or is it outlook? And we had a good time, a good collegial spirit. No one ever got, you know, angry or bittering like that. It was just a fun thing to, to, to have. And I kept saying, well, outlook is the most important one. You know, and I've, I've taught creation health hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And I said, oh, look, I think it's the most important one because what I've seen in my work with people with boots on the ground around the world is, yeah, choice is important because it's, you know, it starts everything, right? Nothing happens without you making a choice. But what I realized and also saw it in my own life is your outlook dictates the kind of choice you're going to make hmm. or if you're even going to make a choice. Your choice is a reflection of your operating system in your brain, in your emotions. And so that's why outlook is the most important thing, because if we get outlook right, then healthier decisions are going to be a result of that. You know, and the biggest the biggest thing I've witnessed with people everywhere around the world is when it comes to outlook, we're not talking about using more positive language. We're not talking about that Saturday night skit where the guy looks in the mirror and says, I'm I'm good looking, I'm nice, I'm kind, I'm this, I'm that. Stuart Smalley, I guess, is the guy I'm trying to think of. It's not that. Outlook, according to Martin Sligman, and it's the most important passage I think I've ever read in health literature. Martin Sligman, he's the famous researcher who's known for optimism, whether he wants to be or not. That's kind of what he's known for now, and he's just awesome with his work. He says, your outlook is how you view your... I'm paraphrasing. He says, your outlook is how you view yourself. Whether you feel like you're worthy and deserving or worthless and undeserving. Mm -hmm. And that's something he said, we learn in adolescence from the authority figures in our lives. And my parents and my family, they're a good family. They love the Lord. They love people. They're not perfect. They do their best to make a difference. Sure, we, we mess up just like everybody else. They didn't beat any of us. My family wasn't abusive. I don't have any stories like that. But because of my dad's abusive story of a kid when he was a kid growing up, that got transferred into the other generations where he he was taught by his dad and grandparents some horrible things, actually, that he didn't matter, that he was absolutely worthless, that he didn't matter, that he was a nothing and a nobody. And he struggled with that his entire life. You know, and he's heard the Outlook, Outlook presentation quite a few times. And I asked his permission to tell a story. He gave it to me. And I can see some progress he's made you now at 87 years old, by the way, maybe 88 this summer. But dad transferred that that belief to at least me, I think to my siblings, but at least to me, where I didn't feel like I was worth anything. Mm. And so when you tend to feel like your life doesn't matter, you tend to live your life as it doesn't matter. And you don't think you're deserving of success. Any good thing that happens, you think you got lucky or someone's doing you a favor. But any bad stuff that happens, you think, yeah, well, that's me. I'm a I'm a I'm a mess up. Uh, you know, I'm a failure. So what should I, why should I expect anything else? So in Outlook, when I'm training leaders how to work with, with people and trying to get into their lives so that they can make a, um, a productive, meaningful difference, they have to know where people are. Right. Where not, not all of them are there, but many of them are there emotionally and mentally where they think they're nothing, you know, Travis. And so I spend a lot of time and I end my training with Outlook when it comes to training the leaders. And um, it's just I. I've gotten used to sharing my story. I've hardly shared any of it here. But um, outlook to me is the most important thing because your view of yourself can dictate every choice and decision you make. And your view of God, your outlook of God is going to determine what type of relationship you have with him, even if you want one. And it also, it also affects your health. 
when you have a bad view of God, when you think he's punitive and punishing and out to judge and get you, you actually have inferior health outcomes. And, and, and research has shown that even increases your risk of, of um, your chances of dying from certain uh, procedures when you have when you think God is is not on your side. So out, but it all starts with outlook. You know what I'm saying? Um, the Bible says as a as a person thinks, so they shall become. It all starts in the mind. And I'm not talking about mysticism here. I'm just talking the way it works. And so we need to spend a lot of time with helping people um, receive, I think, uh, emotional and mental freedom to let them help the shackles drop that people placed on them when they were five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, who've been living their lives in a self-made prison of misery and frustration. And they don't know why they're so unhappy and miserable and why they keep self-sabotaging themselves. They, a lot of times, are clueless. So creation health for me is really... And the emotional health thing that I'm really honored and privileged to have been given the opportunity to start doing with uh, Lifestyle Magazine, um, the emotional health to me is more important than just about anything else. Uh, emotional health to me, Travis, is more important than physical health because I know what happens. I know what emotional health does to the body, you know? So when it comes to my work with people, um, it, that's where I place the emphasis is the emotional health, the outlook. Uh, and outlook is having hopefulness. It's having vision. It's seeing the brighter side of light, you know? Um, yeah. So it's, it's, I appreciate those comments about the class. Uh, and you still remember, which <laughs> I'm impressed. So, uh, I <laughs> no, definitely. Going- I, yeah. I think this is fascinating because I, you know, when, when we do as, as a pastor, of course, and this podcast, I teach a lot of um, doctrine. And I, I try to introduce people to God. Um, mm-hmm. You know, most of the first several episodes um, on this podcast, we're, we're trying to, you know, paint that positive picture of God, give give people mm-hmm. a proper outlook. And of course, we, we went through um, a lot of the basic Bible teachings, um, but kind of like walking through it, kind of exploring, like, who is this God? You know, what is, mm-hmm. what is this all about? And, and so we answer a lot of those questions, um, through, through the podcast and I've done evangelism where I've taught people in person, some of these same concepts and people, um, when they hear it, especially for the first time, mm-hmm. um, there is some benefit to the outlook of they have of God. Like he's not out to burn people for forever and ever right yes, he, he's exactly. he's not here to condemn us he, the law is not a a um a a prerequisite to salvation you know there's there's right. there's there's god's arms are open wide you know he's he's constantly chasing us he wants to be with he's not um, putting up barriers between us and him so all these different concepts you know that we get into uh are 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 powerful and people love them and they are attracted to them Lionel, but like you just said, uh, that self-sabotage, that is so common. We see people coming to the Lord, embracing the truth, embracing the Word of God, and what sabotages them more than anything else is their outlook about themselves. And it totally ruins their walk with God, and a lot of times they fall away. So I, I think outlook has everything to do with not just our physical health, but also our discipleship, also our walk with God. And um, I just was wanting you to uh, just go into that a little bit more, if you can, you know, maybe share some of the, uh, you know, since you just 
finished recording uh, these six-part session that you're going to be doing with Faith for Today, what are some of the key factors to having a positive outlook? Well, uh, positive outlook starts with the number one thing is, so I'm saying the number one thing based on my experience, and a lot of this, Travis, is rooted in my own upbringing and my personal my personal struggle with this, okay? Because uh, I realized that I was, I had a negative pessimistic outlook because I believed I was unworthy and undeserving. And I was miserable with that until I was, the light, the, things started changing when I was 40, which is a while ago. You know, I just turned 54. And um, so the very number one thing is, is just what we said, is a person has a choice. And the choice they have to make is they can believe the lie they've been told and thought about themselves that they're worthless and undeserving, or they can choose right now because they have the freedom of choice, power of choice. They've been gifted, you know, the, the power of choice by our creator. They can decide right now that they are worthy and deserving and they, they are a person of worth and that they matter. The very first step has to be, and some people are uncomfortable with this uh, because of the way they've been trained and they've been taught and they've been raised in religious circles. They say, no, I can't do that. It's, you know, you're being, you're talking about self-esteem and it's being ego-driven. Ego no, it isn't. The very first decision that you have the gift to make about yourself is that you matter mm. that you are worthy and that is the, that is the cornerstone to me when it comes to having an empowering outlook that also dictates you know what your view of god might or might not be um in addition to that because this all has to do with with the freedom you have i mean you can let someone else decide the price tag of your life or you can decide the price tag of your life it's your choice and i decided 14 years ago I'm deciding the price tag of my life. And people say, well, God decides the price tag of your life. Well, God does decide the price tag of your life. As you see, at least for those who are from the Judeo-Christian point of view, Christ on the cross and in the gospel story, right? I mean, there is a price tag, but you get to decide if God died for something worthless or something worthy, mm. right? And the thing is, things really clicked for me, Travis, when I had my boy. He was born 2007. And I got to thinking as I was working with Creation Health at the time, starting to teach Creation Health and all this Martin Sligman quote and all this other stuff and my own personal journey of trying to figure things out on my own instead of just rehashing and rehearsing what my professors taught me. All good professors, by the way, don't have any problems with any of them. Um, and, and it dawned on me that I got to think about my son and, and I really wanted him to understand and feel and experience as he's growing up uh, what I didn't. I, I wanted him to grow up knowing and feeling that he matters that he's loved, that he's liked, and that his life is precious, um, and that he's worthy and deserving of success, and the abundant life that Jesus Christ promises in John 10, 10. You know, that he is worthy of all of that, not because of what he does or doesn't do, but because of what he is. Mm. He's, he's God's child. Furthermore, I got to thinking, you know, well, I know I felt pretty bad about myself all my life, thinking God had made junk and this and that and the other thing, and I got to think, what, really? If my son felt that he was junk— it actually would hurt my feelings and be offensive to me because he's my son. And he's not junk. He's right. my boy. He's my kid. And I got to thinking, well, maybe that's how God feels about me. You know, I'm his kid. I'm his son. And it's offensive. I would say blasphemous to God for you and me or anyone else to say that you are a rascal, you're junk, you're garbage, you're, you're nothing. I mean, come on. Right? Right. And, uh, and they say, well, that's because you know, uh, uh, of the sin and all the bad stuff I do, kind of tying in what you said a few minutes ago about a person's outlook. And, I, you know, I ask people, you know, so if your kid was playing out in the middle of the road and a car is coming and you had to rush and save 
save them, but you got killed in the process. Was your kid's life worth saving? Every parent on the planet, Zoe said yes, and you know it's true if you're a good parent. And I said, well, is your kid's life worth saving, even if they weren't supposed to be in the road to begin with? Mm-hmm. And the answer is always yes around the world, no matter who I ask. And that's what God did for us. Our life was worth saving, though we weren't even supposed to be in the middle of the road around a certain tree. You know what I'm trying to say, Travis? And um, so Outlook, that, the cornerstone is you have to decide what your worth is. And once you decide what your worth is and you know you're worthy and deserving, then you can have a vision for your life. Bible says, well, there's no vision that people perish. And if you don't have something to live for, whatever it might be, your life is going to wither and go backwards. And no one can really set the vision for your life. It doesn't have to be crystal clear. It can be fuzzy, but you get the chance to say, this is how I want my life to be. This is the life I want to create. It's all part of outlook, having something to live for. And, and also, when things get tough, not only, do you, not only do you have this self-worth and not only do you have this vision, but you have this choice of every day choosing to be hopeless or hopeful. And they have found that people who choose hopefulness, they get over their diseases better. You know, their health is better. Everything is better, right? And if you have a sense of hopelessness, everything is bad fast. And hopelessness is defined as expecting something not to work out. You're expecting the worst to happen. Um, so it all works together. The outlook is about self-worth. It's about, you know, having vision for your life, which you have the privilege of setting. And it's about being hopeful no matter what. You know, life is not always a laughing matter, as we've seen these last few months uh, in 2020 with hundreds of thousands of people dying from the pandemic. But there's always something to be hopeful for that perhaps even the day will come where we have no, no more pandemics. Or maybe we see the, the genuine good of humanity trying to support each other through a crisis, right? There's always something to be hopeful about that maybe someday the tears will no longer roll down our cheeks. And, right. uh, you know, these are all things to have to do with outlook. Yeah. So for somebody who struggles with um, seeing themselves positively and, and they've been taught that that's pride and, and, uh, and, and the Bible frowns against pride and God is against pride. Yeah. And, and, and obviously the, the counter uh, side of, of pride is, is humility. And uh, so what you're saying, I, what I hear you saying is that humility and a positive outlook are not um, uh, mutually exclusive. Uh, they're not. Because what we're not saying here is we're not saying, so pride and arrogance are two different things. And we're not talking about being arrogant. Mm-hmm. We're saying here, acknowledging your worth. And some people have a hard time doing it I struggled with it for years because I was raised because I was raised just the way you just said. And I actually got attacked by somebody. Um, it's only happened once. They really came down pretty hard on me saying I should stop teaching what I'm teaching because I'm teaching self-esteem and that's psychology and that's wrong. And, you know, I respectfully disagreed with them and I stood up to them because uh, that influence has been in the church as long as I can remember. And it's just not in the church. It's everywhere. So humility and under I actually kind of think that I think that acknowledging your worth, that you matter because your soul bears the fingerprint of a creator uh, is one of the most humble things you can, you can do. I, I almost think that to deny your worth is a, a kind of, kind of arrogance that's cloaked in humility, hmm. you know, and it's certainly slapped to the face of God. Well, I've heard that before. I mean, that, that shame is kind of the flip side of pride and that it's, they're kind of two sides of the same coin. And that would make yeah. sense then that we try to, um, you know, like you said, cloak our shame with pride while at the same time 
you know, feeling worthless, even even as we transmit this outward uh, confidence, uh, because inwardly we're, we don't feel good enough because we don't recognize who we're from. And so what you're saying is that that recognition of, of the fact that we come from a creator, God who created us in his image and has done everything he possibly can to restore us back into fellowship with him and one day is coming to take us home to live with him in his house is one of the ultimate forms of humility because it it points us to to who we are and where we come from. Absolutely. I mean, just look at the prodigal son. Most of the listeners will know the story. He never stopped being a son, welcomed right back. You know what I'm saying? Just because you have certain experiences doesn't mean that you're worthless or you're junk or you're irredeemable. I guess I should use that word. Yeah. So you're hitting the nail on the head. And my, my mind is racing as, as we're talking here about all, all the different things. And um, I just know some people are very uncomfortable with this whole concept. And I hope that for anyone who's listening, who's struggling with this, and I know there are quite a few of them, that they'll just decide today they're going to divorce a lie about what they've been told about themselves. And they'll just embrace the truth. They'll marry the truth that they are, that they are wonderfully and marvelously made that they will just take a second to consider the promises that Jesus is making to them. He didn't say, you losers, I'm promising you abundant life. You look at his promises, it's abundant life, abundant joy, abundant peace, abundant freedom. And then in Jeremiah, let's go back to what you were saying earlier. God says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you a future. Mm-hmm. When you look at all the good stuff God is wanting to bring into people's lives, it's the, it's absolutely outstanding amazing wonderful fantastic whatever word you want to use it's it's stuff that we would see from a human point of view that governments and kings would only do for very important people you know to give a, you know to give gifts like that to the citizens but only be reserved for very important people but the gifts and promises god is waiting right now to give to us today to breathe meaning and purpose and joy into the life we're living right now those gifts are vip level gifts you know they're backstage passes gifts they're exclusive gifts that you can't buy on Amazon. <laughs> you know, they're, you can't buy them. You can't make them. You can only receive them. And they're there for every single person who's listening here today. You know, and that should tell you at least what God's viewpoint is of everyone who's listening to this today. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has a pretty incredible viewpoint. And um, I just hate it. That people go through life thinking that they're worthless. I really, really, really do. I see the, I see the pain it causes. And that's the last thing God wants to make sure that, that he knows he wants to do, he's doing everything he can Travis to make sure people know just how how wonderful they are and how much he loves them you know yeah so the the natural question someone i can imagine is is possibly asking themselves right now is i want that what you just described i want to feel that way i want to have that outlook how do they get that like how what is the process that is required to move from that mindset that I'm worthless, that, you know, everything that good that happens to me is just luck. Everything bad that happens to me, I deserve because I'm such, you know, fill in the blank. And, uh, and a lot of people have that self-talk, right? Even if they don't admit it outwardly, inwardly, they are saying that to themselves every day that, Mm -hmm. uh, anything good that happens, you know, is, uh, is, is the, not the norm. Um, it, right. what, what they expect is, is the, the other shoe to drop. The lightning is going to strike sometime. 
and they're just waiting for something to happen. And, uh, and so how do, how do, what do you say? Like, how do you coach people into this new mindset? Yeah, well, it has to start. So it has to start with a decision. We've already talked this one to death, right? But we Mm -hmm. have to say it has to start with a decision every day, multiple times a day, you have to decide you're worthy. And that gets thrown around a lot, gets thrown around a lot these days, but you have to decide some variation of that. I'm worthy. I'm worthwhile. I'm precious. I matter. You have to, you have to believe it and you have to own it. It's a decision before it's a feeling and you got to stop. You got to start. You got to keep saying it until you actually own it and believe it. And it's something that I'm a recovering pessimist 14 years later is something that I still have to put some intention into Travis. So this is not something you do follow three steps and it's done Correct. for people like me. It's an ongoing conditioning process, I think. So number one is I got to decide regularly. And I think it needs to happen daily. You know, that, that I'm a person of worth. I matter, you know, I'm worthy. I'm worthy and deserving. I'm worthy and deserving a success. I'm worthy and deserving of success. So, and then I think the second thing is they have to realize, and here's the, here's the thing. There's this thing called locus of control, which basically says, you know, a person has a dominant one and they're only two. You either have a sense that you're in charge of your life or you, which is what they call an internal an intrinsic locus of control, or you feel like life is in charge of you, that something out there is dictating your life and shaping your destiny, which is what they call an external an extrinsic locus of control. So step two would be for us to decide after we've said, I'm a person of worth, I matter, and I'm de- deserving of success and I'm worthy of it. Here's where a lot of people fail. I think I know I did for years and years and years. Once you make the, once you come to the point where you feel and decide you're worthy and deserving of success, for the typical person I think who's struggling with this, they sit around and wait for it to be handed to them. Mm. Okay, but that's not what this type of person thinks anymore. You don't think like that anymore because there are two types of people in this world based on these locus of control. I'm making it really, really simple from my point of view. You know, I, I, I'm sure there are many layers and more academic stuff you could add to it, but there are a couple of types of people. There are people who want a caretaker and there are people who don't want a caretaker. And if you feel like life's in charge of you and bossing you around and you're not worthy of success or deserving of it, then you're going to be spending your whole life searching for a caretaker, (laughs) you know, to make sure your life is secure and goes the direction you want. But the second step I would see after deciding that you're worthy of success, you know, and all those good things is you've got to decide that it's up to you to go get it to then live your life that way in some small way you've got to take charge you have to take there's no getting away from it either you're putting yourself in charge of somebody else or you're taking charge of your life to the degree that you can whether it's saying i'm going to lose 10 pounds over the next 12 weeks whether it's saying i'm going to go to the you know to the dermatologist and get checked for skin cancer because i'm 53 years old or whatever it might be you've got to start taking some leisure some measure of control in your life whatever that might be you must do it because if you've been worthless and undeserving your whole life, chances are you've been waiting. Uh, people, you've been waiting for people to hand you what you want. Exactly. You've been waiting for people to make your life good and successful and comfortable and safe and all that stuff. And if we've learned anything the last twelve months for the pandemic is what we thought was security was really much an illusion. Right. And the only security you really have in your life is what you create for yourself, Travis. And so you've got to decide you're worthy, and you've got to start living every day, making some choices to take your life back. You know, so so let me jump in here because I know there's probably a couple other steps, but before we get to those other steps of, of taking control of your outlook, what why are people afraid of taking um, control of you know of their life essentially you know instead of waiting for life to happen for them, 
making life happen? Like what, what is, and is there anything within Christianity even that has um, prevented people or, or uh, given people a wrong impression about how to live life to the fullest? Um, and because uh, when you were just saying that, it's like, yes, that's, that's so appealing to me. But I know for some people that sounds scary. Yeah, I think some people are waiting around for God to do it for them because they hear all these miraculous stories of God doing this and that and the other thing. And there are certainly you have like the three worthies thrown in the fiery furnace that God saved, you know, but then there are other things that God did. So I, I kind of believe so I'm not a legalist, Travis. I'm not. I believe we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any person should boast. I'm right there with you. Right. Martin Luther, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. I, I believe in active miracles. I mean, there are times people can't do anything for themselves. I mean, look at all the people that Jesus healed. Many times they couldn't do anything for themselves at all. But oftentimes there was a part that they had to play in the miracle. And I think that a lot of times people don't take charge of their life because they feel like, well, if their life was supposed to be that way, it would have happened already because God would have done something because God is the ultimate caretaker, right? Mm-hmm. And although God says he'll provide your needs, what I also learned as a parent, as a dad, there are things my son had to learn on, for his, on his own that I couldn't do. He had to learn to walk on his own. He had to learn to ride his bike on his own. He had to learn to read. I mean, we helped him, but he had to do things on his own that I could not do that if I actually did do for him, he would have been stunted his right. entire life. Exactly. Right. And that's where we are with God. So there's, there's, a, there's this um, thing where we realize that we are uh, divinely made, that we are of royal heritage. But then there's this thing of, of living. And I can tell you right now, God led the Israelites, led Moses out of Egypt to the Red Sea. And God led them to the Red Sea. But if Moses wouldn't ever taken that first step before the water had parted, it never would have parted. There are certain things that God wants to do in our life. He cannot do because we're just sitting here waiting for him to do it for us. Some things he can do for us, but a lot of things he can't do for us because we grow through challenge. We grow through resistance. We go through we grow through by having to exert some kind of an uncomfortable, intentional force from within ourselves, it seems to me. You know, and it's just a part of the way God designed us. So some people, they're afraid to do it because they feel like they don't have God's permission because God has not done it for them yet. And and my response to that is, well, God's waiting for you to get up and go. Mm. And his miraculous power is there waiting for you to receive. And until you get up and go, you're not going to get it. And you're going to have this. It's not wrong to have this type of life that you have. You're not lost. You're not anything like that. You'll be in heaven when Jesus returns and all that other stuff. But God is a life you can live right now. And if you want to live it, you got to do your part. Not talking about salvation. We're talking about, we're talking about growing. We're talking about receiving the abundant life, joy, promise, peace, all this other stuff, right? We're talking about the ten talents. Remember that one guy buried his, lost it. The other guy, the other two went and invested it, and they made more. I mean, there are principles here that God says, if you want this type of life, well, you got to do something for it because I'm not doing it for you. You know, I'm not doing it all. I'll give you the wisdom. I'll give you the power. I'll give you the patience, the understanding, as you need it as this vision for your life unfolds. So a lot of them don't do it because they're, they're waiting on God to do something. And the, the, the number one delay tactic I see in churches when I was giving leadership there was, well, let's form a committee and pray about it. Really? I mean, mm. if the Israelites would have formed a prayer committee about crossing the Red Sea, they'd still be waiting on the shore of the Red Sea, right. you know? So don't use God as a delay tactic. Do it. Because oftentimes, Travis, they think it's a matter of right and wrong. It's not a matter of right and wrong most of the time. It can be simply a matter of good, better, best. Just go do it. And maybe in the process of doing it, that's God's way of teaching you and growing you to discover, you know, the most effective path forward that has even more blessing in store, not just for you, but for everybody else. But you will never grow to that point, you know, if you don't take the steps. So stop waiting on God to do every single thing for you. 
he's not going to. Yeah, and I think that's so. I, I like how this, you know, because I keep thinking this is how you live life. This is how you know it's not just our physical health. You know, right. it's it's also you. We're talking about church. We're talking about any activity, anything that's worth living life for requires this type of outlook, or else we just become helpless. We become victims. We helpless. become yep. um, just. Uh, the uh, passive and, and we're just waiting for life to happen, but that's no way to live. And and that's not how God created us to live. No. And, uh, and so we're going to get the most out of life. We're going to get the most out of our health. We're going to get the most out of our, our spiritual experience at church when we have this outlook that, that, that there's no limits, that there's a, there's this endless possibility out there. God is asking us and begging us to dream about things that, that he, these desires he's placed in us. But again, like you said, he's not going to do it for us. He's going to inspire us, but he's, he's not going to necessarily, um, you know, pull, pull our arm along the way. He might, you know, do certain things to, to, to kind of nudge us. Uh, but we can resist that. Can't we? We can, we do resist it because sometimes we're afraid we want to have something. We want to feel safe and comfortable. But the other thing, God, what God will not do, Travis, for you or me or anybody's listening, he will not live your life for you. He gave you your life as a gift. He's given you everything you need to make that life a blessing, not only for you and your family and for others, because your life is meant to be a blessing for others. But he will not live your life for you. Mm. He could. He could coerce you. He could take control. He won't. And I think it's a wonderful gift to realize that, you know what? I can live my life. God wants me to live my life. And that's the same thing. And people don't do it because, because you know, one of the needs that we have is the need for security, for mm. comfort, for safety. And a lot of times, you know, we might not like where we are in life. We might complain about it all the time, but we're familiar with it. We know it because we're familiar with it and we're comfortable with it. We feel safe because at least we know what we're going to get. And we know what we're not going to get. Well, if we branch out into the, to the murky unknown, we don't know what might confront us. And we actually might lose the good things that we have right now in this life that we really aren't that excited about, but at least it's meeting our needs. <laughs> and if we go venture forth, we might even lose the very few things that we have that are making life bearable. But who wants to live a life that's bearable? Or who wants to live a life that's just safe, like birds in a cage, a glass cage? You know what I'm saying? Right. And a lot of those things that we do, I think are, are the unhealthy things that get us sick in the first place. Right. That, that, that to cope with the fact that, you know, maybe I don't feel like I'm in control. I feel like I'm worthless. I feel like I'm stuck where I'm at. I'm not, you know, the circumstances are greater than, than, than me. And, and so those coping mechanisms become unhealthy practices that, sure enough, destroy our health. And I think yeah. that makes sense why you you emphasize outlook and choice yeah. at the beginning because they the, the rest of the principles of, of creation life, creation health, um, yep. only make sense once you're taking control of your life. Absolutely. You got it. Yes. And they only, and I think you really only, so everyone, everyone's motivated by something. Everybody has a why for why they do something. And only when you get the, the outlook right, I right might be the wrong word, but only when you really work with your outlook and figure out what's driving you, will you do the other things for the right reasons for yourself? And only when you're doing the other things for the right reasons for yourself, will that lifestyle stick. 
Okay. And that's, and it all begins with outlook. When you have the right, when you have a, when you have an empowering outlook, you can make empowering choices and your life starts turning around little by little from what I can tell with people, you know, in my work with them and my own personal journey. Yeah. And I think that connects to, especially, you know, people wonder what, what does health have to do with, um, you know, being ready for Jesus? Cause we talk a lot about that on this podcast mm-hmm. and, and I would say just everything that you've said about today is so important. Like if we don't have this outlook, how are we going to be able to move forward um, in faith when it becomes very, very uncomfortable to, to, um, to be a believer. Right. And, uh, and if, and there's this mindset that I'm a victim, I'm not in control. I can't do this on my own. Uh, the, the, the state of the world in the last days is going to make it so much more easier just to, to stay put than to, to stand up for, and and to take control, so to speak of my life, uh, despite the, the, um, adversity that is surrounding me. So today is the training ground for the future. And so that is what I hear you saying is that there's a, there's a clear connection between taking control today and being able to stay faithful to God um, through through the last days. Well, it's very important. There are two very, very crucial points that you're getting at, Travis. One is, so if you're looking for a caretaker today to take care of you, you know, uh, you're going to find it very hard to stand up for what you believe in if you feel like your, your, your life and breath comes from an external organization or entity. Mm. that might be wanting you to do something that you don't believe you should be doing in the first place. But if you're the type who's always relied on a caretaker, you're going to have a hard time not caving. So taking charge of your life today, taking control today, realizing that you are the caretaker of your life. Yes, God supplies all your wants and needs. I get it. Philippians, I read it just like you and everybody else in your congregation who's listening here today. But you know what we're saying about taking charge of your life. And the second thing is, if you don't start practicing some of the things that we're doing today, you know, then what's your motive? Because we just talked about motivation. What's your motivation to even want to be involved with God to begin with? Is it just out of fear to escape some painful things that might be coming down the pike if you think that's what's going to happen? Or do you want to do you want to be a part of this of our creator because he's a source of companionship and joy and insight and and also uh, a source of power to help other people, you know, and, and if you're in, if you're looking for a caretaker. And if you are just looking to uh, looking to God to help avoid some painful things, and so fear is motivating you to seek and including him in your life, then what type of example are you for other people who have yet to make a decision about God or no God or spirituality and stuff like that, right? I mean, you're kind of influencing them to look at God as a as a as an escape, as mm. an escape from something bad that's coming, you know. And and the thing is. I think that when you take charge of your outlook and you start taking charge of your life and you partner your life with God, fearfulness goes out the window. I'm not saying you're never going to be afraid, but you're not, you're not dictated by fear. And what we saw this last, what we saw these last 13 months, how much fear has dictated countries and governments and citizens to do things they would never do. I never thought, and I'm going to cause some trouble here. I don't mean to, I'm not saying what I would or wouldn't have done. I never thought I'd see the day when a public health concern would lock church doors and keep people out. Right. I'm not saying it shouldn't have locked doors and kept people out, but I'm saying we should have put some thought into that as to what that meant when you had governments 
local governments exerting pressure on pastors of all denominations and faiths to lock their churches and then arresting them when they had outside services, people pulling up in the cars, right? If anything we saw was how easily people are dictated and manipulated by fear under the cloak of public health. Today is the day to take charge of your life and live it in such a way that you're going to own your choices and you're going to understand what consequences that might come as a result of your choices. But the one thing you're not going to do anymore is you're not going to live your life in fear because you need that organization or that entity to put food on your table, clothes on your back and everything else. You're going to live your life Mm. because you're in charge of your life and you've partnered your life with God who has all the answers and solutions, who's not going to tell you what they are until you take two or three steps into the darkness and, re- and, and realize what you need to grow to the next level, if I'm making any sense at all. Yeah, and I think Outlook has a lot to do with in, informed hope. Uh, with and, and I love to end my podcast episodes with hope and a focus on, yes. on uh, what could be and, and what is promised. And maybe we don't have it exactly yet, but it's something that is there for us to, to look forward to. And, uh, and so, yeah, just as we kind of close the episode today, just share a little bit about what gives you hope, you know, not just in your own life, but, you know, in, in the lives of those you're ministering to, the people that you're talking to, and, and ultimately, um, you know, seeing, you know, living to see hopefully the day when Jesus comes, just, um, you know, just share how that uh, hope guides your life. Well, um, hope for me is a decision that I realize that things are going to work out. They might not work out the way I prefer, but the Bible says, Paul writes, that faith is an expectation, right? Mm-hmm. And I think hope is an expectation of things not seen, but the expectation is regardless of what you see or don't see, you know it's going to work out. And I guess what really gives me a sense of confidence even when I don't know necessarily the answer or the next step, is that um, I realized this year, and along with a few other things, that none of the problems I feel like I have that would keep me awake at night, none of them cause God to sleep. He, he's simply not worried, wringing his hands about anything I'm facing or going through, because he knows the way through. And maybe the way through isn't going to be how I want to get through it. And maybe there'll be some loss along the way. I'm not sure. But I know that God is not worried. You know, even things don't go the way I want, that I don't need to be worried either. So I trust that with God being in charge, things will work out the way they work out. And I'm at peace with that. But that doesn't mean, Travis, that I'm going to uh, just stop living my life. I'm still going to live my life. And I'm still going to make a choice to take a step, even when I don't know what it is. And God can just kind of corral me along the way if that's what it takes. But it gives me great hope to know that God is never worried or stressed about what's going on in the world or my life, you know? And uh, it's really simple for me. That's just what it is for me, knowing that, um, like Roman says, he works out all things for the good of those who love and trust him. And uh, I got to trust that things are working out, even when they're not working out the way I want them to. Because... Because there's more than just me to consider, Travis. Mm-hmm. It's just not about my life. And from a, you know, from a spiritual point of view, 
so what you live 80 years i mean that's great but it's nothing the older you get to realize you realize how short life is you know 80 90 100 years if you're lucky but then nothing so there's an eternity to keep in mind so what if you miss out a few years here it's no big deal because there's eternity to look forward to right so you know if god has a different plan in mind i really like what um former united secretary general of the united nations says uh said back in the 60s uh hammer scold he said we act in faith and miracles occur we act in faith and miracles occur and so what gives me hope travis is i know as i act in faith even when i don't even know exactly what the next thing to do is as, as long as i act in faith step into the darkness things miraculous things are going to happen even if they're not the miraculous things i want to happen and by serving other people and living my life to make someone else's life better um there's a part of me that's okay with that even if my life is not <laughs> even if my life is not the life that gets um the better treatment along the way i guess so to speak because i know that we serve a larger purpose while we're here so i don't know if you're making sense of anything i'm saying but what gives me hope is knowing that god's not worried about my life or stressed and he's with me as I step through the darkness as he's with my friends listening to this. And things are going to work out in a way that is um, victorious. Really. You know, there's no need to be afraid. All right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Adventology. I want to encourage you, if you've been blessed by today's episode, to reach out to Lionel. In the show notes, you'll find links to both Lifestyle Magazine and creation life or creation health we'll also update the show notes as more resources from Lionel become available Um, but i want to encourage you to share this episode too if you've been blessed by it you can post it on your social media you can rate it you can review it you can subscribe if you haven't done so already we really encourage that because it helps um, get the episode right to you as soon as we publish it And if you go over to Apple Podcasts and review and and rate it there, it really boosts this podcast on the charts and helps other people find it who are looking for uh, positive, encouraging, uplifting uh, podcasts that dig into the Word of God and don't sugarcoat things. That's what we're here for uh, on Adventology. And uh, I thank you again for tuning in and supporting us. Uh, You can reach out to me if you have any suggestions for future episodes at Travis at Adventology.com. I encourage you to do so. I encourage you to um, continue to pray for us, um, continue to support us financially if you feel so moved to. We love you. We are doing this for you. So let me know how, how you are experiencing these episodes. I love those who do reach out to me. But if you haven't yet, please send me a little note. Let me know that you're listening. That would also encourage my heart as well. So thanks again for tuning in today. I can't wait to see you back here for another episode of Adventology next week. But until then, Maranatha. Maranatha.